Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. A podcast looking back into the Jewish roots of our faith. For the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. I'm Heather. And I'm Jonathan. And we are your co-hosts. This podcast is part of the Youth Cartel Podcast Network. Hey guys, we're back again today. We're uh, bringing in a new topic. Um, so we've just had uh, some... Uh, interview discussions that we've been going through. We've had, you know, a series that we we came off um, a few weeks back, uh, and now we're we're bringing up a topic of weddings and marriage, and what that looked like in the ancient world, right? So, what it looked like in the time of the patriarchs, right? What we would say is normally like the the Old Testament era, kind of you know how that plays into the New Testament. Um, as a disclaimer, though, because for all the single people out there, you hear, oh, we're going to have a marriage talk, and immediately everyone's going to say, ah, this doesn't, this isn't relevant for me. Like, I'm I'm not married. Um, we don't want that to be the case, because marriage and weddings, um, 100% is relevant to you, right? As a believer, you are part of the bride, and there is a, a wondrous and wonderful uh, impending wedding to take place. So it is relevant, even if only in a spiritual and theological sense, even if it's not really in a personal physical sense yet. Um, and that's really what we want to get at is understanding, you know, marriage and what that looks like biblically to understand the Bible better, <clears throat> whether we're really getting into, you know, like whether you should be married or who you should marry or all that, that's not really, you know, the, the, the point of all this, but to understand the Bible better, because that's what we do here. Mm-hmm. Um, so today, Heather's going to talk about, um, you know, kind of kicking off this series, going to talk about, uh, you know, like mutual commitment and what the relationship itself kind of, kind of means. But to get things started off, um, maybe be a little bit fun if we got a little bit of a, a backstory from Heather on how did you meet your spouse? Ooh, so, uh, let's see, Rodrigo and I have been married for almost 10 years, which feels like I don't know why it feels like such a long time, but it's true. And um, we met, so back in 2011, at a soup kitchen, okay? We were both serving at a soup kitchen, and um, this is a sad, this is kind of a sad story, but I'll just share it really briefly. Um, A friend of mine had spiraled into drug abuse and um, had ended up homeless, and uh, so I was serving at the soup kitchen, and my husband at the time served every single week at the soup kitchen. And he actually, in fact, he still does today. He goes every Saturday. And, um, so my friend who had spiraled into drug addiction was there and I was serving on the serving line. And my friend comes up there and he sees me and just flips out and he like dashes off. And then later, um, that morning, uh, he wants to talk to me. So I go back in the back with Rodrigo Okay, kind of serving as like the protective kind of guy, right? And um, my friend, and my friend is obviously, you know, not well. And I'm bawling, crying because my friend is not well. And my friend is, you know, going on and on. And and there's Rodrigo standing there. And so I remember this, right? And so then Rodrigo ran and, and I ran into each other maybe a couple months later through a young adult Bible study thing. Uh, at a church that we were both uh, not attending, but were a part of kind of their singles ministry or whatever. And um, I was like, Hey, do you remember me? He's like, no. <laughs> I'm like what? Nice. He's like, I remember a woman <laughs> crying, but I don't remember you. And I was like, well, I'm gonna make sure you never forget me. And he hasn't since. So that's good. <laughs> but well, there that's you go. 
So yeah. So that's fun. So um, yeah. So a little bit about me. Next uh, next episode, you're going to learn about how Jonathan and his wife met, which may or may not have been at a Star Wars convention. I don't know, but um, <laughs> <laughs> the chances are high. So um, so yeah, we're we're kicking off our series on ancient marriage in the Bible. Hopefully, you can take these things with you as you teach young people and uh, others uh, about the Bible. Um, so in the Jewish uh, way of life, uh, there's kind of these stages that they would follow. And the first stage was a stage of uh, mutual commitment. Um, a lot of marriages in ancient times uh, were arranged, uh, uh, not all of them, but most of them. In fact, an old Jewish saying in the Talmud says that a man hasn't truly become a man until he's married. Uh, there are three major life events in Judaism, birth, Marriage and death. Hopefully marriage doesn't feel like death, but maybe more like birth, right? <laughs> but most men were married around the age of 18 and women after their first menstrual cycle. So normally around the age of 13. Wow. Big life difference in ancient Israel as compared to today's world, right? Um, so today, arranged marriages still take place, however, in many Jewish circles. In fact, many ultra-Orthodox Jewish marriages are arranged by a marriage broker or a matchmaker, uh, which is called a shadkan. That would be a pretty sweet job, right? Like, what do you do? Oh, I just, like, look around it's for people who I think would make amazing couples. <laughs> That'd be pretty sweet. So the I mean, father... This- yeah, go ahead. This this is this is the time to also enter references for Fiddler on the Roof for anybody yes, that's indeed. not that's not seen it yet. The matchmaker. Mm-hmm. Yes, Sorry. there he is. That's right. But that, but that's why it. that's why there's so many references in that movie. He's because in their culture yeah. it's just sort of expected that someone's going to play the part of the matchmaker. Right, because I mean, truthfully, uh and I was gonna touch on this, but I'll touch on it now in the story of Rebecca and Isaac, Abraham sends his servant to essentially play matchmaker and he sends him back way back from uh, the land of Canaan to Ur of Chaldeans, which is where Abraham is from, which was a very long journey. And this is what throws me is that as the servant prays and Rebecca goes and waters the camels and does all that. And the man's like, Oh my gosh, you're the one. And she's like, yeah, I'll go back and marry Isaac. Never met the guy. Doesn't really know much about this dude. She's just, kind of like going out on faith. And the wild thing is, is that I was talking with my mentor about this. and He said that it would have been at least a month long journey, a month long. Okay. Rebecca leaves her family, everybody for a month plus long journey to go meet a man. She has never met to marry him. Oh my gosh. Like that just throws me. It's just such a different type of culture. And this is you know, and this the idea of marriage, though, is so different in our world today where it's about love, right? You, you love this person. It's about this attraction. And in the ancient world, it was more about survival. It was about finding a spouse so that you could survive in the world and have children and they could help work and become a, a productive member of the family and help cook and clean and work on the farm and do all those kinds of things. And then when you got old, they would help take care of you, right? It was a, It was all about um, survival. That was the main, uh, I guess, uh, reason or uh, motivation for why people got married back then. So that's why a lot of these marriages were arranged because it, it wasn't just so much about survival of the individual as it was about the family, because you didn't want your kid running off and marrying some 
some crazy person who was going to bring havoc, not upon your, your own, uh, daughter's life, but upon yours as well. And so that's why, um, a lot of the times these arranged marriages were the norm, but, um, so the father, uh, received a dowry when the daughter was married. So this is wild. Okay. Um, this was paid to the father of the bride by the father of the groom. Uh, it's believed that since a family member played a big role in helping take care of the family household, the dowry was then meant for covering the daughter's value within the family. So, okay, we're, we now have lost this girl who can help around the household. So now we're going to pay you for her essentially is what it is. It sounds really bad, but it's just how things worked back then. Um, so, but not all marriages were arranged, right. Um, as things started out, uh, for most, um, I remember actually when I was in Israel and our, uh, my mentor was teaching us that we were in the Nazareth fields and he said during the grape harvest, which is around the time of the festival of Sukkot, um, the girls who were ready to be married, they just had their first menstrual cycle, would go out and to the wine press and they would dance. They would wear these white dresses and they would dance and things like that. It was this time of celebration. And these were uh, this was the time that many of the men who maybe were waiting to see, you know, is that girl that I've had my eye on or something like that, I guess. Um, is she ready to be married yet? It's like, oh, she's in the wine press. Go get her, right? And so maybe, you know, um, maybe that's how things potentially worked as well as these men were um, hoping to find themselves a woman uh, of uh, of noble character, right? And so uh, it, interestingly enough, though, um, the next step that they would take, and I'm sure you're probably going to talk about this next time as we talk about more about betrothal is uh, the families would come together. And the cool thing was, is that um, the, 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 um, the would be bride didn't have to say yes. She could say no uh, to his desire to want to marry her. Uh, and then from that point forward, um, as they would make the agreement with each other, uh, they would be legally married. And I know you're probably going to talk about that next time. Uh, but but things started out very differently in the ancient world uh, when it comes to marriage. And um, and we see this all throughout the Bible. We see it uh, in lots of arranged marriages. In fact, there's a kind of this weird um, uh, storyline or maybe a little, uh, what, what, what would I want to call it, kind of a, a wave that goes throughout the Bible of men meeting their wives at wells. <laughs> which is really fascinating and definitely something to potentially study someday. Um, but so, uh, you know, as, as we're teaching, uh, these things to young people and as we're studying the Bible, uh, having an understanding of, of the ancient world and how they did marriage and how it's very different from ours of how it started with the fact that it's about survival, not about attraction. It's about um, building a family and specifically, um, building a line that your name would be preserved through so that your family would continue to uh, be able to farm that land. It was saying the family's name. Uh, there would be a future for your family because it was very, uh, it was a very agrarian type of culture uh, that was built around the family, 110% built around uh, the family and building families and making a name for yourself uh, through um, raising up, children and most specifically having a male heir 
as well. And so, um, so yeah, so that's kind of my first, uh, snapshot there of, uh, the mutual commitment stage, the entrance into marriage with the arranged marriages, although not all were arranged, you could have found your girl in the grape harvest apparently as well. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I, I think, um, you, you touched on that, you know, she could say no, right. Mm-hmm. Is, is the first thing. And, and you see a good example of that with, um, Rebecca, because, you know, the, the Abraham servant comes and he's like, Hey, I, I want to, you know, I want to have her be the, the intended right for my master's son. Um, and that whole thing is fascinating. There's so many fascinating pieces to that whole story. Like mm-hmm. we think of this, you know, young, small, dainty Rebecca coming out and being like, Oh, here, please, sir. Let me, let me help you. But if you think about the number of camels that he had, Oh and how gosh. big the wells were and how much mm-hmm. the water weighed. I saw somebody give an analysis one time based on uh, archaeological evidence and everything of how many calories it would take just to do the <laughs> physical labor of watering that many camels. Wow, that's a And it's like that's that's as much as most full-grown men would work in a, a like a manual labor job today. Wow. And so when you think of, oh, well, you know, she was young and she was small and whatever, and it's like that's – you know, I, I, that's not really the whole thing, right? That's that's not really the whole picture. Um, so, but yeah, so they you know they go through all of that, and then he goes to uh, her father and her brother, and they say, "Let's go ask her," yeah. right? And that itself is not unheard of in the ancient Near East, but it wasn't the common sort of thing, um, sure. as we I think we we kind of touched on before um, in our discussion with Tyler uh, was mm-hmm. you know women oftentimes were property in, in right. the ancient Near East. In fact, pretty much throughout the ancient Near East. And that's the same society that Israel comes onto the scene uh, of. Um, there's, there's a great quote from Sandra Richter on it, actually, that says that, you know, when we read these things and we, we have these sort of visceral reactions, like, I'm not okay with that. That's that's mm. wrong. Like it's, That's terrible. She's like, yeah. remember that when God came to, to Abraham, right, it wasn't God endorsing the ancient Near Eastern society it wasn't God endorsing sure. these these practices. It was he doesn't need to endorse them to be incarnated into them. Like the the, the family of Israel mm-hmm. was chosen for a reason. Um, Abraham was chosen for a reason. Sure. Um, but <clears throat> but yeah. So with with uh, with Rebecca, there's a lot to that story. But again, what we see is they go to her and say, "Do you want to do this?" Yeah. Right. So she sure. she could have said no. That's right. Um, yeah. And you know, other. I was just going to no, say go that. They even, um, her parents, her brother, I think it was her brother and her mother wanted her to stay for 10 days. And so that essentially they could say goodbye to her because they might not see her again. I mean, if she's moving a month journey away, it's not like you can just up and go. And it's not like you could just call her up on her phone and say, hey, did you make it okay? You know? So, right. So, and yeah. and so it, it says that um, the Abraham servant's like, well, hey, we got to go now. And, um, and so they're like, well, let's go ask her. And so they ask her and she's like, yeah, let's go. So yeah, it's, it's definitely the woman had the ability to say yes or no. She wasn't a simple pawn who had to do whatever she was told. Yeah. There's, there's a number of, of really good, uh, examples. I think there's obviously the Bible's full of good examples and bad examples. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think what what we find is is common is you know again that that bride price being paid and that's another thing um, too like you mentioned it's about survival yeah. right and so the the bride price 
um, ideally in society, what the parents were supposed to do was hold on to it um, in case the woman ever got divorced. Because That's in society, true. your daughter lived with you. And because everything was a whole entire family unit, right? We think of the nuclear family. They didn't have yeah. that. They, they couldn't have had that. You had the oldest living male and all yeah. immediate relatives um, in that household being cared right. for. And so sure. you try to marry off a daughter as young as possible because the sooner you can get her married off is the sooner that you have enough food to go around, right? Sure. Um, there was a there was a, a study from a few years ago that stated that on average during this Iron Age period um, of, you know, basically the time that Israel's living in the land before Babylonian exile, that the average village was just a few hundred people. And these families, you know, these, these tribes, these clans, you know, within these, these families had food shortage problems roughly 60 days out of the year. Wow. And so you're trying to do as much as possible wow. to stretch things out, to make things, sure. you know, go further, to hunt, to fish, to trap, to make the tr make the crops go further. If you have one year of drought and famine, then, you know, you're 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 really um you you really have problems going for you. So, marriage, you're marrying off, quote unquote, marrying off your daughter really young was also for her benefit not just okay we'll get her out of here because women are yeah. property and need to be married right. but yeah, also it's concern babies. for her yeah. yeah um and and that's the the natural way of things because obviously any society that doesn't have children doesn't survive that's right true. and the idea being that you know that's sort of what's expected um yeah. of uh, of and, a woman but and you had your children young and you have energy and i had my my child not young and i'm like tell me lord <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know about how much energy I have, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's definitely that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it, it was. There's there's a lot of things at play in there, and again, we come to the text and we tend to read it and think, oh, well, I just can't imagine because you hear, oh, and he went to Rebecca and he's like, hey, do you want to marry Master? And you you think of you being in that scenario, mm. being like this dude just came up, he offered me jewelry, he wants yeah. me to marry his his boss's son. Like, how crazy is this? Yeah, and it's so foreign to us. Um, but we have to be able to read the story and what it's actually conveying sure. in the original setting, in the original context, That's and how right. it really wasn't that crazy for, yeah. you know, the, the ancient Near Eastern world. That's true. That's true. Yeah, well, this has been a fun first conversation, and I'm excited to hear what you're going to bring us uh, for next week. Okay. All right. Well, friends, thanks for joining us for this episode, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.